Welcome to the We Are The Church podcast. I'm your host, author, and inspirational speaker, Sherry Jones. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss today's issues from a Christ perspective. Our topic today is the church, marriage, and finances. Conflicts involving finances are one of the main reasons marriages end in divorce. How can couples resolve these conflicts? What biblical principles can Christian couples follow to help them better manage their finances? Today's guests, Marcus and Sharendra Robinson, answer these questions and more. Marcus and Sharendra Robinson met in August 1998 in a graduate level epidemiology class at the University of South Carolina. They were randomly assigned as lab partners by the professor and the rest is history. The couple has been married for 15 years and has three amazing sons, Mark, Caleb, and Kyle. Marcus is the Vice President of Corporate Staffing Incorporated. It is a temporary staffing firm with eight offices serving the entire state of South Carolina. Sharendria is the CEO of Clear Vision Seminars and Consulting. This firm helps nonprofits and small business owners with organizational development and strategic planning. Together, they serve a wonderful group of people at Mount Olive on the Hill in Columbia, South Carolina. Sharendria serves as pastor and Marcus is the minister of music. God has favored them and brought this 100-year-old church from a congregation of seven to a congregation of 80 in two and a half years. Additionally, the couple leads a Facebook Live session on Sunday nights discussing faith, family, and finances. As you see, Marcus and Sharendra Robinson are experts regarding today's topic. Let's get ready to tune in and enjoy an exciting, fun, engaging, educational conversation about the church, marriage, and finances. We're about to get started. Welcome to the We Are the Church podcast. I am your host, author, and inspirational speaker, Sherry Jones. Today's topic is the church, marriage, and finances. And I have some experts with us today. We have Marcus and Sarendria Robinson, and they are going to share their expertise on this topic. I have actually known Sarendria for a little bit. We're both Toastmasters, and I remember um, encountering her at a conference, sitting in on one of her presentations, and I was blown away. And so you are in for a treat today. Thank you both for being here. Thank Absolutely. you for having Thank us, Absolutely. Thanks for, for the invite. You're most welcome. And so we're talking about some, hu- some heavy stuff today, the church, marriage, and finances. And as we know, finances are a tough subject for any couple. It's one of the number one reasons why couples get a divorce. And so what I want to talk to you all about is how should Christian couples approach their finances from a biblical perspective? Okay, well, 
Well, that's a, it's a loaded question, but basically, and not to sound cliche, but they definitely need to pray about um, their finances. And the number one thing that I would encourage Christian couples to do, in addition to praying over all of their money and everything, every resource that comes into their home, I encourage them to really figure out what works best for their marriage. There are a lot of financial gurus out there. There's a lot of financial advice that people can give. But what people won't tell you oftentimes is when it comes to your marriage and finances, there's really not a one-size-fits-all approach. Uh, it's hard to be cookie-cutter because we come into our marriage from um, totally different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And our cultural experiences, and our upbringing, all of those things play a part in how we handle our finances. So it's going to be very important for couples to realize because something works for one couple, it may not necessarily work for them, but it's incumbent upon them to continue to dig and search and find the answers, the tools that's going to help them be better with their finances when it comes to their marriage and don't just give up because the first thing they tried didn't work. That's good. That's good. Uh, Marcus, what's your perspective on that? Well, I guess, I guess my thing is when it comes down to to kingdom finances and church finances and how Christians develop their viewpoint, I think we have to, first of all, find out, you know, why is money important? Why are the finances important? And, you know, <clears throat> becoming educated together uh, can kind of help to reduce some of those barriers and, and some of those gaps and experiences because, you know, Sharendra, as she said, the reality is we are a product of our experiences. And, you know, if you came up in a household that talked about finances a lot, well, obviously you're comfortable with that, that topic. If you grew up in a household where everything was taboo and, you know, you didn't discuss finances, you always had an excuse for why things weren't done. You know, that's a whole nother thing. And the reality is sometimes we don't marry people, who have our same background. So we have to get mm-hmm. educated together and have a mutual respect for each other so that we can move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean, that makes total sense. I definitely agree with both of you on that. Um, and I was thinking about that even when I was talking to um, some young people about their finances and I was letting them know, hey, you have to talk to each other and know your individual perspectives on money because one person may be very frugal and it may be because they've been in a situation of lack. And so now they want to hold on to money. And then you may have another person that may have had a s- experience with lack, but their perspective of is, is I got to spend it because it's in my pocket. And so when you're coming together with those two, those two perspectives, um, it is definitely something that you have to work at. So I, I appreciate y'all's perspective on that. And then um, tapping into that a little bit, um, because I know Sharendra mentioned about uh, working at it together and what works for one couple may not work for another couple. Mm-hmm. And so when ma- people come together in marriage, one of the main things that they think about is how they are going to merge their finances. And the, one of the main questions I think a lot of couples ask is, well, should we have a joint account? Because the word says that now we are one. <laughs> and so, so does that mean we're supposed to be one with our finances? Or is it proper, you know, as a Christian couple to have our finances separate? Does that mean that we're not being as one? 
Um, so what what are your perspectives on that? Well, that that is a very that's a very touchy subject a lot of times, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you're doing like premarital counseling, which uh, mm-hmm. my wife and I have had the opportunity to do from time to time. Um, because every, again, we're, we are a product of our own experiences and, you know, how you saw your parents handle money in your eyes, that's the right way, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's kind of one of those situations where I think, again, you have to get to the point where you say, okay, uh, who's best at handling money? You have to be honest and you have to be open. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's the first thing, uh, which is a major challenge, being honest and open about finances. You know, it's, it's not very proper uh, if you're dating someone to say, look, what is your credit score? You know, how, how, do, you, how do you handle finances? You know, do you have any, any repossessions that I need to know about? Any foreclosures? You know, you don't, I mean, how do you ask that question when, you know, you three months dating? You know, right. so it's, it's one of those things until we get to the point where we can really ask the right questions. Um, I think we're going to have a, a challenge even in, even focusing in on, on what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so when people when we're talking to people, we tell them kind of like what Marcus just told you, you know, and then people dig a little deeper. So, OK, so what did you all do? And so and we're very transparent and we don't mind you know sharing our approach. But when we got uh, when we got married, um, and we dated, no, that's the other thing. See, we dated for a long time, and you know you have time to learn and find out about a person's habits and their finances and their spending patterns. So we have multiple accounts. But that was one of the things we were attending financial literacy workshops and trainings together before we got married. So our approach was to open several accounts. There are several accounts that just have Marcus's name. There are several accounts that just have my name. And then there are um, a couple of accounts, not nearly as many, that has both of our names. Mm-hmm. Now, what we, decide, what we decided to do is uh, there are many couples who they take the approach. They have one account, one joint account, and money goes into the joint account from each couple if both persons are working, and they use that to pay their household bills, and then they do whatever they want with the rest. Um, the way our house works is we divvy up the bills. Mm-hmm. So I literally carry the cable bill. That's about it. No, I'm joking. That's <laughs> <laughs> about it. The internet. <laughs> you know, I have, I have all the big stuff, you know, birthday parties and um, anniversaries and gifts and all that kind of stuff. But no, however you set it up, we have, we divvy up the bills. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we are a, a family that majors in um, automatic payments. Mm-hmm. And automatic, we do our savings, it's automated, because we are, people think that we're just that discipline and we're not, but if it's automated, you know, it's happening. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happens with our bills. So we know that the mortgage is coming out of this account that has Marcus' name on it every week. The internet is coming out of this account that has my name on it every week. The car payment is automatically coming out of this other account that has my name. So we have these various accounts, Mm -hmm. and then the bills are assigned to the different accounts if that makes sense. And every month, like clockwork, the withdrawals happen from the different accounts. Mm -hmm. And your responsibility is just to make sure whichever um, account the money is coming from, that the money is there in that account. And I know that's very unorthodox, Mm -hmm. and we talk to a lot of people about their accounting and how they do it, and I really haven't come across 
anyone who does it quite that way, but it really worked for us. Like, it really worked for us. We've been married 15 years, mm-hmm. and it's been set up like this since day one, and it, it worked for us. Yeah, I mean that's it. Sounds very good and very uh, very efficient. Um, to like you said, and I think the the important part of that is the automatic payments. Like you said, you have everything yeah. automated, so you know on the fifteenth this is due and this is what account is going to come out of, and that person is responsible for making sure that money is there. And um and and so that like I haven't heard. <laughs> As you said, I mean, right, I <laughs> quite like that. <laughs> right, right, right. But 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 that sounds good. Um, and so that kind of taps into um a little something as well. What Marcus was saying um about being comfortable asking those type of questions. And so mm-hmm. when you're talking about an engaged couple, and now you do all do premarital counseling. What are, I guess, maybe the, if you can give me maybe the top five questions that you think an engaged couple should ask each other about their finances to to start that conversation? I think they should ask, uh, what what did you hear about money growing up? What was the money conversation in your house? Because we really do have to go back to the cultural experiences Mm -hmm. and culturally how we were raised around money. So I definitely think that they should they should ask that question. They should ask about the the person's personal uh, credit score, as Mark has already mentioned. You know, to include you know, if hard times, everybody account of hard times. Like, so what happened? What was going on in your life when you had the repossession, or when you had to file bankruptcy, or when you had to try to dig a little deeper to find those things out? They should know. Uh, hopefully by the time they're engaged, they know if the other person is interested in starting a business. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus likes to tell the story, likes to tell people that as soon as we got married, I said that I wanted to quit my you job. Did. And <laughs> you did. It wasn't even a year. <laughs> you did. Yeah, it, oh, it, my it, goodness. It, I promise you. It was so rich. I think I was set up. I thought I was being punked. <laughs> I'm like, yo, because I'm thinking, okay, we dated for for seven years, right? Seven and, years. And oh, wow. We, we met in graduate school and all this kind of stuff. And we had all these big hopes and aspirations. And, you know, we're working. Everything looks good. And we get married. And eight months into the marriage, she makes the grand announcement. True. Because she uh-huh. didn't ask me. No, what she did. <laughs> no, what she did was she let me know that she had um, aspirations of becoming a business owner and that she had made, she was thinking about making her current employer a client of hers. I mean, what am I supposed to, what am, oh, what am wow. I supposed to say? Like, you know, wow, Sarindra, you didn't add, you, didn't, you was just like, hey, look. <laughs> See, you know how people do, well, the Lord the Lord said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my calling, and you're my Lord, husband, so you're yes. supposed to support this. Yes. I can hear that conversation. That, yes, since you hear the Lord. That, 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 was, that was something. That was something. Yes. So you, you got to find that out. Like, find out from that person. And they may not know. They may not know. But find out, you know, if that's something that they're going to be, that they want to do. Because that, you know, it was ludicrous because you got to a family where both persons are entrepreneurs oh. now. And 
you have to be prepared for that. Yeah. You have to you have to be prepared for that. So that that and I we see a lot of couples who one person decides that that's where they're being led and they want to start their own business or they want to or maybe they want to keep working but they have other ambitions that are costly. Mm-hmm. Um you you published a book not long mm-hmm. ago and 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 um Marcus and I are both published authors but sometimes depending on you know, how you decide to go about publishing, some avenues, you know, can be more costly yes. than other avenues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people may want to continue to do their own job, but they may want a book or a CD or whatever. But they need to talk about they think that's those things. They may think, oh, I'm just talking about my aspirations. But if there are financial obligations attached to those um, aspirations, your partner has a, should know about those things during the period of engagement. They really need to know about those things. They need to know about, they need to ask questions about any hidden costs. Um, that, are there any child support payments or uh, things of that nature? Will somebody be taking your cash or garnishing your wages for any reason? You know, it sounds, it sounds silly, but these are really things that couples don't uh-huh. talk about. And they hide them. They really, you see somebody and you think, oh, they work at this place and and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, they work on Wall Street. And you don't realize the position that they have on mm-hmm. Wall Street. And they're not the person that's making the six figures, mm-hmm. you know. They are the person that's making the minimum wage but working in the same building. And you don't even realize that. And so those are the questions. Um, and I, I would say before Engage, I know you asked specifically about Engage, but what happens is, we don't ask the questions early on when we're mm-hmm. dating. And so then the heart feels what we feel. And then you find yourself head over heels in love with somebody. And you realize, like, financially, they are mm-hmm. missed. And had you known all this stuff before you, you know, at the beginning, you probably wouldn't have allowed yourself to go there. So, you know, it's hard questions, but these are things that we really have to think about early on in the dating process and definitely before we say I do. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And when you were talking about the um, like the Wall Street, you don't know, you know, what position that person has. Um, do you believe it's important for um, couples to have full disclosure as far as their incomes? At some point, yeah, especially in the engagement, um, in the engagement period, you know, you're talking about marrying somebody, making a life commitment. So, you know, everything has to be on the table, including, you know, mm-hmm. what are your ha- what is your relationship like with your extended family? Because, you know, the reality mm. is mm-hmm. who, um, who take care of parents, <laughs> who take care of nieces and nephews and all that kind of stuff. And and you may or may not have children True. at that point, but you will at some point. And so what happens to those other people? Will they still have that expectation? You know, and is your is your spouse OK with that? You know, how do you handle when people ask you for money? Because if you're, it, mm, yeah, if you're upwardly mobile, at some point, somebody will ask you for a loan. And so in our right. house, you know, we have a situation where, you know, if it's anything over $300, we need to talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. reality is we're both working people and I, and I don't believe in putting restraints on people who make their own money. But when it comes to affecting our household, we decided that that was the magical number for us. It could be something higher or lower for anyone else. But 
if it's something over three hundred dollars, we need to have a conversation about whether or not we're going to spend that as a family. Because at that point, it's from the Robinsons. It's not just from Marcus. It's not just from Sharendria. Mm-hmm. You know, it's from the Robinsons. Right. We need to have a real conversation to see where we are and whether or not we got some other things that we want to do for our family. Um, one of the things that I um, I don't ever have a problem with telling people who ask me for money <laughs> is that you know I have a family first. And so their needs, right. their needs mm-hmm. and wants come before your needs. And so that's that's, that's you know true. that's that's tough for people to hear, but literally I mean that their mm-hmm. my family's needs and wants <laughs> come before uh, your need for a car or your need for whatever you have, you know, because my responsibility is to my family. I can do you a favor. <laughs> but my res- mm-hmm. my responsibility exactly. is to my family and so that's something that early on couples should definitely discuss you know role at re- roles and responsibilities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that that is so true and when you were talking about that with the extended family and and all of that i have no shame and you ask me for something i say well look i have to talk to my <laughs> husband about that yeah use us as the scapegoat <laughs> That you know, they may look at well, why you gotta talk to him and you know, you net hey. because like, as you state, because it's our household first and we have to make sure that this is within our household budget to give you this money. And one thing, um, I'll ask y'all's opinion on this. Um, a lot of people say or what I've heard is never um give someone something that you can't do without. Like if they if you mm-hmm. give it to them give it to them as if you're not going to get it back. Absolutely. You know, and this reality is, you know, you give out of your overflow. You don't get out, you don't give out of your necessity. Mm. So for instance, when, Mm. so when it comes down, I'm I'm just talking as Christians, the reality is for us, we're a tithing family. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we tithe, we save, we pay what we owe. And then, we get we'll be you know we're benevolent and we you know we look to give away money you know but it's in that order so if Uh we hadn't tied if we hadn't saved if we hadn't provided for the five in this house nothing goes nothing else goes out until that happens wow that, that's that's a good way to put it. I never I never thought about it like that because you think about it when people come to you and they're just like oh I need I need help I need and, and you don't always go through that process of well have I paid all my bills have, have I done this have I done this you're just looking at well they need it so right. I'm supposed to give it to them I think a lot of us you know we have that desire to help that desire to you know mm-hmm. be a blessing but we don't understand that first we got to make sure that we're good. We have to make sure that we're blessing ourselves first before we can extend right, that to right. someone Because else. the reality is we have children and they're looking at us to see how things should go. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just like, right. from, you know, we go from glory to glory and faith to faith. They're looking at us to make sure that not only we provide, but we also provide a pathway. <laughs> that they can do what they do, mm-hmm. you know, when they get of age. And so I expect my children to go further than than we're going, just like our parents expected, I mean, yeah, expected us to go further than they went. 
And the only and the only way that yeah. happens is if you're a well-disciplined person and you have a rollback. Mm-hmm. 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 And so when we come to our when we are in in our congregation, I know it's very important for us to teach the thing, the very thing that we're talking to you about because the church that we came out of that was always taught. Like I said, when we were dating, we were going to sessions in the church on um, wealth building and finances and um, getting out of debt and savings. And we were the youngest couple, the youngest persons in mm. the room. We weren't, we weren't married, but we were the youngest persons in the room, a room full of, we were, we were graduate students, first year graduate students, so we may have been 23, 24 maybe, and there were everybody else in it jumped to like 50s and 60s mm. in the room. And I just thought that that played a very important part in us being where we are. So when we, three years ago, when I, um, two and a half years ago, I guess, really accepted this call to be pastor, go from just minister to pastor, um, it was important to say, okay, these are the Bible studies that we're going to have. So we're going to have 10 weeks of dedicated time where we're just talking mm. about our finances. And you'll be surprised when you're talking about that constantly, you're teaching that in the congregation. Uh, our goal to teach it was not so that tithes will increase, but when you begin to teach the class and not necessarily asking people for tithes and offering, but teaching them what to do with their money, they soon realize, oh, wait, I really can't afford the tithe when in the past they probably right. they worked. Mm-hmm. They could not afford the tithe. And, 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 and so our approach just changed, and we realized the more we teach and talk to people at a younger age about their faith mm-hmm. and their finances, then they really will believe what the scripture says uh, because someone has taught them how to apply it, and it's not just uh, another book mm-hmm. that they're reading. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, I, and I think that is a part of the disconnect. The young people um, don't have the knowledge, you know, of finances. And like you said, the fact that you all were able to get that knowledge early on and implement it in your marriage early on and not play catch up later on. Uh, it was really a blessing. So we have to catch the people, you know, right out of high school, right when they're in college teaching them about finances Mm -hmm. so that when they do find that mate and they come together, they'll be um, better equipped. That's really good. Now, one thing I wanted to shift gears just a tad um, related to COVID-19. As we know, you know, that's the pandemic. Uh, That's what has been plaguing our nation and finances have definitely been impacted. And it's caused extra stress on some households that may have already been experiencing mm-hmm. financial strain. So what do you say to those couples? What can they do to ease that situation and also make sure that it does not impact their relationship? Well, one of the things I would I would offer up is when it comes down to um, households and couples that already have stressed budgets, um, to really recognize mm-hmm. what you don't have to pay in this season. So for instance, have strong communications with your banks, uh, with the credit card companies, with the uh, insurance companies, and find out what their policy is for handling uh, things in, in this whole COVID-19 pandemic. Because a lot of, a lot of banks are forgiving, mm-hmm. uh, are forgiving in this period, you know, where they basically will 
give you a deferment for maybe three to six months. And so that's that's money that you don't have to mm-hmm. that you don't have to spend right now that you can focus on your household. You can focus on your savings um, and just kind of build a little nest egg, because reality is there are a lot of people out of work. Businesses that are closing, there are a lot of businesses that are slowing down. Um, but at the end of the day, people still have to have a place to stay. They still have to eat. They still have to have shelter and clothing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just one of those things. I think that we start with what we pay and find out what we don't have to pay (laughs) and then go down that road. Mm I agree. And you have to realize what is what is essential. You know, once you have the real conversations with them, it, it amazes me how people don't realize or don't count like the roof over their head mm. as something that's essential. And when you're dealing with a lot of stress, I understand it may alter our decision making skills and we may, may not have that mental clarity. But I got to always pay my rent or my mortgage first. You know, you got to always do that. And and then we can figure out, you know, you can figure out the rest of it. We go through these activities with our high school students where we try to get down, help them to understand it, even with our kids. Uh, and they're very elementary age, like just getting out of kindergarten. Uh, but we talk about mm-hmm. need versus want. And sometimes even as adults in this stressful COVID-19 time, there are things that, we really have been disillusioned and we really think that our cell phone <laughs> is a need. And it may very well just be a want. I mean, real talk, like our kids will really think that a cell phone is a need. So you imagine if you got a family of four or five and you got there are multiple kids and everybody has a cell phone and everybody has whatever and we're trying to undergo, mm-hmm. you know, make it through a pandemic. That, that may be a harsh reality, but they may need to realize that this is a want. I promise you it's not a need. I promise you you will live <laughs> if you don't have a cell phone. I promise you, you know, you will be okay if you don't get to eat exactly what you want to eat for dinner uh-huh. every day. I promise you. Like, people need to understand that meat um, is a luxury. And these things are, and we're trying to make light of it because of the situation, but, you know, we, we do, like, these meatless Mondays, but uh-huh. you don't have to have meat with every meal. I know my channel. <laughs> Anything on that, but you know, there are people <laughs> we need to really understand. Like, we really need to begin to understand that. And I think in America, you know, we've got we've become spoiled, and and we like I, said, I like to use the word disillusion, and we really think that we need so many mm. things, and we really don't. It, it, it really is about going back and looking and making sure everybody's healthy, um, and we are able to communicate, and we're just getting a good night's sleep. And we do the best mm-hmm. we can with what we have. It's really what we have to begin to do and and, and, and um taking consideration during this time of, mm-hmm. of COVID nineteen. Yeah, that's that's true. I I like that what you said, the needs versus the wants and there are a lot of things that we think we need that we really don't, um, that aren't essential, but because we become accustomed to those things, it's hard to let them go. But you have to face the harsh reality of, hey, this is what my finances are looking like right now. This is what I'm bringing in. And this is the bills that need to be paid. And so if I have to cut back on something, then that's what I need to do. Uh, so that that's very good. We, I think we really can make it. Between what Marcia said was getting with your creditors and seeing a lot of them are very lenient during this time. But you just got to talk to them. You can't wait right. until you're already late. 
and then call them. You got to call them while they're current. So I would stress that to people. While you are current, then call and try to get some relief, any kind of relief you can get. And then just really assess those needs versus want and, and still try to. And make, and make sure you get these agreements in writing. You know, try to make That's sure the other thing. Make sure, make sure you get these agreements mm. in writing because they're, oh. you know, banks are, because you can't go into banks. Everybody's emailing everything, you know, and so it's not, it's a, uh, it's a challenge following up to make sure that paper got from point A to point B in some cases. So you want to make sure you have a strong mm-hmm. follow-up system to make sure that whatever it is you're trying to negotiate with these banks and these other creditors, making sure that you have it in writing so that just in case there's a hiccup, you have some type of paper trail that will um, substantiate what you're talking about. Very good. Um, and so <clears throat> how do... Um, I guess couples go about making sure that their financial status and their financial um, situation, I guess, does not have a negative impact on their relationship. Yeah. They gotta, they gotta talk about it. It, it, you have to talk about it. You, finances is not anything, not something that you should, you can hide, you should hide. I know ladies, we have this inside joke and we talk about how we'll keep the shoeboxes in the trunk and we'll keep the purses in the trunk until, you know, he's not looking and bring them in the house. But, you know, at the end of the day, we really do have to have these conversations. Like, we can never talk about them enough. But, um... They have to be forced. I remember sharing when we first got married, I remember, because I was so paranoid about finances. So I grew up, I came out of a family, um, mm-hmm. an impoverished family. My mother and father had four children, and when I was, I was the oldest, and when I was 16, mm-hmm. my parents got a divorce. And prior to that, my father was in the military, and then he worked at, um, worked in factories in my hometown, because once he got out of the military, he just couldn't find work. And that getting out of the military and coming back to a rural Georgia town, it just put a strain on their relationship. And being that oldest child and going from <clears throat> that child who was a military child, traveling with your family, having everything you want to like mm. a halt, nothing. Uh, it had an impact on my mentality, on the way I thought. And I realized that even after I left my hometown and I got all the degrees and I got all this stuff, I still had mm. a poverty mentality. So even though I have no reason, you know, to worry about it, it's still, it's a struggle. It's something that I had not dealt with. And every year when we first got married, I remember I was trying to get Marcus to sit down. I'm like, okay, we got to talk about the finances. And I pull out all this paper and we'll be in the middle of the floor. And I'm like, okay, we got to do this. We got to do that. And he just look at me. <laughs> he was so annoyed. And it, oh, and it wow. led to a fight. It always <laughs> led to a fight. Because I want to talk about it. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? Because, and in my mind, you know, I was so accusatory. Everything he did, in my, from my point of view, mm. he was wasting money. And that's why I talk about mm-hmm. these cultural differences. I'm like, wait, what are you doing? Like, we are going to McDonald's. Why are you going to McDonald's? Rural Georgia town, we cook. Mm. We don't go to McDonald's. We don't do this. And, I, you know, and, and it, it can get to a mm-hmm. point where it sounds like you're nagging. Yes, I mean, I'm are, sure. my, are my thoughts <laughs> that loud? <laughs> yes, loud and clear. 
people talk about finances, but I was badgering him. Like, he did not want to talk to me because I came from it, from just from such mm-hmm. a negative place. And it was a place of paranoia. Like, I was paranoid. I'm like, okay, we can't do this, so we're going to pay off this person. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, and we're going to do mm-hmm. And it, it didn't work. It really didn't work. And it wasn't until I realized that I needed to be delivered from the mm-hmm. mindset and the spirit of poverty. And to just declare that that generational curse is broken and I'm not going back there. Like, there's no way I'm going back there. And begin to operate Mm -hmm. um, from a place of abundance and not from a place of scarcity, that I began to see the change in our conversation. I began to see the change in our relationship. I began to just Mm -hmm. kind of let go and let God. And so although you plan and you have things in place and you exercise and you operate in discipline, you know, depending on your background, you may have to, one person may have to get to that place where I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm just going to let go, and I'm going to let God, we're not going to fight about this. Mark and I don't <laughs> always agree. A lot of times we don't agree on, like, what should happen and how we should spend this and when we should get that. Um, mm-hmm. But we do pray about it, and we do resolve to just say, okay, you know, we're just going to see what happens. And he'll be the first to admit when he makes a mistake. When <laughs> I was you like, <laughs> Yes. Can <laughs> I be the first one to admit? You know, oh man, you were right, and, and and it's okay. But you you have to be able to have those conversations, and you have to give mm-hmm. each other space in a relationship to make a mistake. If I can't stress anything else to other couples, give each other space because yes, you are one, but you still have to have room to make mistakes in your relationship when it comes um, to money, but as long as you're talking about it and when you make those mistakes, you got to approach the repair mm. together. The other thing is money, money follows value. It really mm. And like for me, I guess growing up the mm. way I grew up, my mother was a teacher. My father was an administrator at a hospital and became an entrepreneur. <laughs> and so he became an entrepreneur when it was my last year in college. And so seeing, you know, what that really means, having to come home, put desks together, put offices together and do all of this kind of stuff, it was kind of in my blood. And so, you know, for me, going through that Mm. process um, with my parents, I saw how my mother would be responsible for birthday parties and making sure the house was a home and making sure that, you know, we got the piano lessons and did whatever, you know, we had to do. And so my dad never overlooked that. He respected that. And, you know, likewise, I mean, Sharendra talked about um, bills that we pay and, you know, some of the, she kind of diminished um, the whole birthdays and, and all this kind of stuff, you know, that people do in a relationship, but that stuff is very important. And, you know, we can't, I don't want to minimize that because mm-hmm. oftentimes there is somebody in the house that makes more than the other person. And so sometimes, you know, whoever makes the right. most money feels that they're going to call the shots all the time. And the reality is, you know, you have to mm. operate as a team. You know, we had some shirts printed up a couple of years ago to say a team Robinson. Mm-hmm. We were going on a family vacation, but it's so true. You know, we have to operate as a team because the reality is if she fails, I fail. Because we got three people that's, that that mm-hmm. we're responsible for and we have to make sure they succeed. So we can't ever get to the point where we get selfish and we start to believe that it's about 
just one person in the relationship or just one person in the marriage. Um, because for us, one of the things I think that's been really good for us is that we always understood um, that we tried to use we try to use scripture uh, and just the word of God to make sure that we govern our lives. So when it comes down to certain situations, when it comes down to money, you try not to ever ego trip. It's just about, you know, what do we have to solve? What problems mm-hmm. do we have to solve? Let's not just rehash the you know what we already know let's talk about some solutions because when you get when you get hung up on the problem you know you can rehearse the problem all day the the challenge is figuring out how do we resolve whatever we got going on and how do we bring and one of the things that i notice with couples uh and us occasionally as well we don't it's easier to rehash the problem because we're familiar with it. But the uh-huh. solution is really God's answer to what we're trying to really, really deal with. And we have to embrace that, whether whether we like it or not, whether it's in our favor or not. Uh, we have to get to the point where we embrace the will of God and what should be, you know, it corrects us all. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, you all shared, I mean, so much information. I was just sitting here writing notes, stuff I need to incorporate in my own marriage. Yes. And so, um, you know, but I love the, the points that you made, you know, with that final question about, you know, being a team, talking about it. Um, but then also looking internally and doing that in that individual work to understand whether, you know, you have something that you need to work through with your own relationship with money so that you all can come together and work together as a team. And that's what's going to make the church marriage and finances um, a seamless relationship. So um, I thank you all both um, for sharing all of this great information with us. There's so much more I could probably <laughs> talk to you all about for two or three more hours. <laughs> uh, but if you could just leave our listeners with each one of you, leave our listeners with some closing thoughts and also how they can connect with you. This season that we're living in, we're living in this, um, I I call it, um, we just celebrate um, the church, just celebrated Mm -hmm. Pentecost Sunday. I call it um, Pentecost pandemic and protest. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where we find ourselves right now. And it's very stressful for all families. It is a very stressful time. So this is a time I would say um, to the church, to the couples as it pertains to not just their finances but their life. It's time for us to lean into each other. Uh, it's time for us to um, not sweat the small mm-hmm. stuff. It's so easy for the small stuff to get on our nerves. But it's time for us to not sweat the small stuff and to really begin to look at what's important, what do we value most. And a prayer that we always pray in our family. You know, if we thank God for our health, mm-hmm. first of all, um, we thank God for wealth. We thank God for our prosperity. We we want to begin to thank God for those things. 
Look at where you are. The Bible tells us, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. prospers. Let's take care of ourselves. Taking care of ourselves physically and mentally. That's what I would leave with the listeners today. And sometimes that means coming home and not talking about money and not cooking dinner and not doing anything but sitting down and just mm-hmm. eating. Do whatever you need to do to protect yourself, to protect your mental health, and to protect your family. Wow. That's, a, well, that's what I leave. As it relates to, um, to couples, I want to stress to everyone, uh, we've got to have a vision for our marriages. We've got to have a vision for our families. Um, and we got to begin to write it down. You know, we've got to write what we see. I mean, the reality is, if we're not writing it down, all we're talking about is a bunch of undisciplined thoughts. And so if we can get, if we can get to the point where we see something mm. that God gives us and we write it down, then we have a roadmap. And then, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to maybe unlearn some things. We have to learn some new things. You know, the new, the new illiteracy really has to do with us being willing to learn new things and correct old behaviors. So I guess the thing that I would like to leave with everyone is to make sure that we have a written plan for our family um, because it's so important. Very good. And so if people want to reach us, we are... um... Oh gosh, both on uh, Facebook. I'll just give our, we are Robinson Coaches. If they look for Robinson Coaches um, on Facebook, they will find us there. Um, and it, it may be listed as Robinson Coaches Faith, Family, and Finance because every Sunday night we do a segment called Faith, Family, and Finance. It's just a live video um, chat from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, they also can look up both of our names, Marcus Robinson or Sharendria Robinson on Facebook. But we invite people to come to that platform. Um, and also, of course, you know, you introduced me as a pastor, so as a pastor, so our church platform as well is Mount Olive on the Hill across all social media outlets. So if they look for us on there, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Robinson Coaches by Mount Olive on the Hill, they'll find more than enough about Sharendria and Marcus Robinson. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. We're all right there. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you again so much for um, being guests and talking about this important topic, the church, marriage, and finances. I encourage our listeners, please connect with the Robinsons. Um, what we talked about today was just the tip of the iceberg of all the knowledge and the expertise that they have to share. Um, so thank you listeners from tuning in and we'll chat with you next week. What a great conversation. Today's guests, Marcus and Sharendria Robinson, dropped some serious knowledge about the church, marriage, and finances. I plan to utilize their tips myself to enhance my own marriage and finances. I hope that this conversation was a blessing to you. Please make sure that you follow them and that you tune in on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Faith family, and finances. Connect with me at sherryspeakslife.com 
follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Sherry Speaks Life and follow this podcast on Twitter at We Are The Church 8. If you are not subscribed to this podcast, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe or that follow button so you do not miss an episode. I truly enjoy connecting with you all today, and I look forward to chatting with you again next week. Take care, be blessed, be safe, and remember, the church is not a building. We are the church. Thank you.